0: You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to The Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know, I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today to help us do that, we've got the founder of Train Extra, Sajil Thacker. Sejal, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Great to be here.
0: Absolutely. Hey, when the listeners realize all the value you bring in and they want to reach out, learn more about you, where is the best place? And I know this, but I want to hear it from you. Where's the best place for them to reach out and connect with you?
1: LinkedIn would be the best place. Follow me on LinkedIn. I am, that's the only social media platform on. And if you want to know specifically about what sort of workshops and trainings I do, you can go to my website, trainextra.com.
0: And just so you know, it's X-T-R-A. So train, it'll be in the show notes, but train, T-R-A-I-N, X-T-R-A.com. So I don't want them to get it confused and all of a sudden they're going to, hey, where is this other train extra that it's taking me to? But uh, no, you know, If someone came to you and they said, "Sagil, what's your superpower when you're helping people? What is that?
1: I would say it's just to help create better workplaces. Um, That's my superpower based on from a professional standpoint, right? Because I have an employment law background. I've seen organizations from a legal perspective, oftentimes when it's too late. So, I've got lots of experience in helping organizations navigate through those situations. But I've also then been a workplace investigator. So, I've seen organizations kind of from a nuts and bolts perspective. And then I've also seen it from an educator, right? So, I started my own company, Train Extra, where I've done workshops and training in this area. And so, I've seen it from a lot of different angles. And so, I can really help with what I've decided to focus on now, Brandon, is training. Because I really feel like there's not effective training out there. And um, there's gaps between what is out there. And I'm trying to bridge those gaps as well in the work that I'm doing.
0: Yeah. And and t- t- kind of go a little bit deeper because you're talking about training, working with corporations, working inside yours. And there's a story behind that for why you built that. So why don't we why don't we rewind a little bit and give us the reason? What really brought you to building what we now know as train extra?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, I had a birthday in November of 2017 and seriously, like a light bulb went off. And so I've been doing training for years before that. You know, when I worked for law firms, I was doing the anti-harassment trainings. Um, And then even when I worked at UCSF Medical Center, I was doing training there and I was also doing training as a consultant. So that's really where my passion was at. Um, But I had that birthday in November of 2017 and I said, you know what, believe in yourself. Just if this is really where you feel like you can make an impact, go for it. And honestly, I did not have a plan to go out on my own. That was actually the opposite of what I wanted to do. Um, but I said that I have to just believe in this. And I really, truly do that. We can do better to prevent lawsuits. And that really was my motivation. And I kind of said, what do I have to lose? You know, try it, go out there, do it. If you, if, if, if you learn from it, then you keep doing it, or or you come back to being a lawyer, you know, I mean, I can always come back to that. So, but I I love it. I've, I've never regretted that decision, except last year was tough during COVID, you know, because I was doing all of my workshops in person. And like a lot of us are businesses that as consultants and trainers, our businesses disappeared overnight. I was one of those. And so it was really hard. But again, I kept coming back to why am I doing this? And that really helped me get through it. And I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. So you went back and you're like, what's my why? Why was why am I doing this? What am I here for? What problem am I solving? Yes. And then you moved it forward.
1: Yeah. And my why is my son. You know, I have a nine year old son. And so my it, it it really boils down to how through train extra through my training, through my education. Can I help create better workplaces? So he doesn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with or that we have all dealt with in our lives. So that really is my why. And every decision I make goes through that. Why is is this going to get me closer to that goal that I've set for myself? And if it doesn't, then I don't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm very much laser focused at this point in what I'm doing
0: yeah no love it love it you know let's uh let's let's kind of get in uh, since we're uh we're, we're winding a little bit on where it came from you know I believe that our ability to learn and have access to people you and I have access to right now uh thanks to a a mutual friend uh, I believe Justin Breen, right
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and, and and so but to me who we have access to and how we learn has really changed in the last five ten five to ten years when you and I were younger textbooks teachers people the world around us but I mean Let's be honest, that's a sliver of what's possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today?
1: it's changed significantly, I mean, substantially, right? So as I mentioned, I was doing all my workshops in person. So I was traveling around the globe, working with organizations on these topics. And I I wasn't, I mean, honestly, I, I never even used PowerPoint in my trainings. It was all storytelling, right? And so I wasn't set up for the virtual world. And so that in and of itself forced many of us to get really comfortable with technology, to get really comfortable with doing these kinds of talks and presentations and podcasts and, and figure out how we're going to disseminate this information, right? So for me, when last year happened, my business disappeared, but I was very much, you know, this was when COVID-19, well, the Asian hate stuff started, the civil rights movement was going on. We were just dealing with one thing after the next with remote working. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ride this out. I mean, I have something very important I want to say and get out there. And I'm going to use every single, I'm going to get on every single podcast I can get on. I'm going to do panels. I'm going to figure out ways that I can keep my message going. So we have to adapt. And that's the bottom line. But now I do, unlike before, now I do majority of my training virtually. And probably going forward, it'll be, it'll be probably a healthy combination of both because I, I truly, really still enjoy the in person trainings. But the other piece of it, too, is I'm no longer doing the really long workshops. You know, I say, let's chop it up like there is no way people are going to remember this information if we go for that long. Even starting to get to the point of saying two hours is too long. You know, like let's keep it at 90 minutes to an hour and then let's make sure we're repeatedly bringing this information back in different messages or quotes or, you know, how do we keep reinforcing this behavior? Cause we all know the research is out there that no one's going to remember it unless you bring it back. Right. So, so yeah, I just had to be very creative in how I'm going to get my message out and what's going to stick with people and what is it?
0: Yeah. And, and you, you kind of talked about information or you didn't, you, you actually talked about information and how much we can like really take in like, is an hour too much, is two hours too much. Like, You made a comment to me and I don't believe that this, like, I think, I I believe I can share this with the audience. You're like, Hey, I'm, I'm zoomed out. Like, you know, like, Hey, you know, if we can do it over the cell phone or whatever. And then, you know, when we do the interview, obviously we'll do it through zoom. Yes. And I had an interesting conversation with my wife and one of my other partners earlier today. And it was just like, hey, you know, Zoom and podcasting, this, that, and the other, because we're taking in so much information at once. I think it was you on your TED Talk that was like, we take over 11 million pieces of information per second, but we can only process, I think it was 50. And I might be wrong on the 50 and the 11 million, but does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, no, that's right. That's exactly
0: right. There we go. Yeah, Proof yeah. I listened. Yes, you did, yay. <laughs> but, you know, I think, We can take in more information than ever before. And it's confusing. You know, some people, they learn from coaches, courses, educators, masterminds, accountability buddies, online courses, lots of ways to learn. Who are you currently learning from and how did you find them?
1: You know, I'll tell you what, it is unbelievable how many amazing people I have met this past year and a half. I am only on LinkedIn, like I said, I have made some fantastic connections with people on LinkedIn. I have completely changed who shows up in my feed very intentionally. Like I'm, you know, I'm actually, I'm doing things so differently to surround myself with the kind of people that are helping me thrive, help me helping me grow as well, because I'm in total growth mode and I'm learning all the time, right? And so, um, but I would say just building relationships on LinkedIn is where I've learned the most this past year and a half. Like I've read a lot of books too. So I've done a lot of reading. I finally started listening to audiobooks a little bit here and there, but I'll tell you what the most learning I've done is through talking to people on Zoom this past year and a half and really not ever having had that kind of opportunity where you can really focus in like you and I are in a conversation. We are listening to each other. We've put everything, our cell phones or everything else aside, and we are focused. We're truly getting to connect and get to know each other. I've done that. And I know you have by doing these podcasts with the people, right? It's the best learning there is as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, it really is. That's one of the reasons I I love podcasts so much. And part of the conversation that I was having, I was like, "Hey, earlier today, it was actually around this podcast and you know what's next for it." But un- unconnecting, like disconnecting, and and like not being on every platform. If you're everywhere, you're nowhere. But I do, and I, I sit there. I understand you got to market in the pockets that you got to market in, but like the amount of vibrations and v- v- that I have in the last thirty days alone drastically less yes and it was fortunately because i had people around me saying it's going off too much your anxiety is going up your productivity it, it's still great like you know but like what if you didn't have that
1: right
0: you know right. it's not a you know we think it's a dopamine hit like ooh, what happened it's actually causing more angst inside of us yeah. with that on there so
1: Well, drawing those boundaries becomes so important in a lot of different ways, right? Like this whole work at work home dynamic requires us to draw certain boundaries. So we're not just stuck to our computers, especially if you own your own business. It's very tempting to to fall into that mentality of the more I do, the harder I work, the more I'll make and, and that sort of race mentality. So you have to draw the boundaries more than ever before because now you're working from home for a lot of us, right? And then also just having access to technology where 24 seven, you could be on LinkedIn. And, you know, there was a point where I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I couldn't fall back asleep, and I get on LinkedIn and I'm like, this is only making it worse. You realize that, right? So, but we're learning, I think, you know, and, and I think you really have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. We're all different. Unfortunately, we've all got different things pulling at us, you know, like with homeschooling this past year and a half. I mean, it was hard on me to go do all of that. Plus manage my own business. Plus all the different collaborations I was doing. Like I, I at one point I even added to my LinkedIn profile as a joke. I added master juggler at the end. Of it Cause I was like, I felt like I had so many balls up in the air. I'm like, something's going to drop and let's hope it's not the glass one. You know, because it was a it was just like a matter of okay, risk, you know, there's there's going to be some risk there. There's no way to eliminate all of it. So
0: yeah. I I gosh, I'm just sitting here because we just had some amazing people that I was having conversations with, and obviously you now as well. And it was about less. More doesn't equal more. More equals more can equal more problems. Faster doesn't mean you're going to get to where you want to go faster, but more, more, more everyone's more more more, 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 more. You and I were sitting there like. We've got enough that we're actually working on owning our own companies, being parents, educating our children because who knows what's going to happen in the next step. So if I had one more thing, am I really adding more? Am I just adding more problems? It's like, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I take away from that? I'd love to hear. So we haven't gotten too much into, and I, I want to hear more about train extra. So we found out your why, where 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 it's going, but what should someone expect when They decide to invest in themselves and in turn, invest in you and work with train extra. What should they expect?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, as I mentioned, I've looked at organizations and workplace cultures from a lot of different lenses. And so I created a program which is called Civility at Work. That's my number one program that I do um, for a lot, but I do a lot of other ones. I do diversity inclusion, I do anti harassment, anti bullying, a lot of other areas of training. But the Civility at Work one is the one that kind of underlies everything that I do because it is really the foundation of where I think we need to start. To address all of those other issues. And that really is, is, you know, as a lawyer, what I saw over and over again, Brandon, was that companies were waiting too long before they were doing anything about these situations that were happening. So the lawsuit or the formal complaint would come, then they would now try to figure out what was going on and try to fix it. And so that's super frustrating, and it doesn't work, and nobody's happy, and nobody wins once a lawsuit is filed or once you get to that situation. By that point, it's usually a toxic work environment or the problem is impacting more than just one person. Now it's going to impact everybody, right? Because it's too late. So I in my civility at work program, it's really about being proactive, right? And so helping people understand, because here was the other thing I saw all the time too, is that these were good people in a lot of situations, but they were put in these situations that they were uncomfortable with, or now they found themselves in this environment. Or somebody made a comment that maybe the person was joking and they didn't mean to be hurtful, but it was hurtful. And a lot of times people just didn't know what to do when they were in those situations. And so then a lot of times people will be like, I'm not going to deal with it. I got too much crap on my desk right now. And I I don't want to, you know, that's just another thing. And or it'll just go away. And so you start making up all these excuses, but the reality is it never goes away until you deal with it. So to work with organizations, my training is to empower everybody, every single person, because everybody needs to know about this stuff, right? And it's not just the leaders or the supervisors or HR. It's every single person in your organization needs to know what we mean by uncivil behavior why it's not ex- accepted and that it's, it describes for people what we see when we see uncivil behavior and it, it tells them what do you do in that situation the key though is because everybody is getting empowered at the same time it's going to create a, a situation where now you can start to build your psychological safety so that people can feel comfortable having those conversations if something like that happens. And it's really also very big on bystander intervention, because it's really the responsibility is on everybody else that's watching this stuff happen at work to step in, to intervene, to do something about it, rather than allowing this to go on. And so again, this is why empowering everyone is critical and encouraging people, encouraging them to do something about it so that we can address those early on. And It's not for everybody, you know, it's not going to work for everybody. And so you might say, God, you know, that's not the kind of environment I want to work in. Then that's fine. Then you go somewhere else. But here at this company, this is how we're going to do it. And then you make a decision on whether civility or isn't, is is something that's valuable for you. Do you really care about your employees? If you want to protect them, then I think this is the solution you have to, you know, you have to get everybody involved. And so, so that's what they can expect if they come to my trainings. I also go into unconscious bias, which is what I talked about in my TEDx talk. And I talk about how, you know, empowering people to understand their unconscious bias is such a huge part of this as well. It's one component because, You know, if you don't, then it could result in microaggressions, which can, again, add to the incivility at
0: organizations. A couple of things that I'm sitting there, I'm just I'm loving everything that you're bringing right here. And when you mentioned things that happen in the workplace and someone actually else seeing it and then reporting it or doing something about it. And why I think sometimes we don't see this is is, is called diffusion of responsibility. And, and think about it this way. Someone sends an email. And this is why I'm reading a book that says, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, a World Without Email. <laughs> you send an email to 10 people. Hey, everyone, we need to get this done. And here are the X, Y, Z things. Well, saying everyone means no one really at the end of the day because someone else is going to sit there and be like, they got it, they got it, they got it, they got it. There was a study that was done and I, I need to find this, where let's say 10 people, we'll go with 10 again, are, are standing around on the street and right across the street, they are seeing someone being mugged. Yeah, All have cell phones, okay? But each person doesn't call 911. If there was one person there, you're much more likely because of the diffusion of responsibility, there's one person, one person right. being mugged, one person is the mugger. So there's three involved. But that's where I really think that we see even in the workplace. Why? Because someone was like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be the tattletale. I don't want to be this person. So I see Bob over here or I see Sally over here, they've got it. Yeah.
1: That's that's a great reason why, right? But I also think there's a huge cultural component to it too, right? Like a lot of cultures, mine included, I'm Indian, you know, we were taught to keep your head down and just get your work done, work hard, don't complain, try not to be visible, don't get noticed, just do your yeah. work and you'll get promoted. And, you know, and so a lot of people are not comfortable with speaking up because they just haven't been empowered to do that before. They've been told the opposite. So it's actually retraining your mind, which takes work and it's hard work. I yeah. mean, I do this, I do this for a living and there are days where I just break down, you know, cause you're going deep. Some of these things are wired in you. You know, when I did that talk, when I was talk, going back and reliving some of those instances, like I was in broken, you know, some of those days when I was writing that script because you have to re- relive that. Now it's also very healing to do the work. And I think it's almost important to do the work, almost a prerequisite in order to heal and move forward. Right. So every one of us needs to do that work. And the culture is just one example, right? Family, your, your religions, I mean, the political, there's so many different things that shape kind of those habits that get ingrained in who we are and in and, and our beliefs as well. Right. So,
0: yeah. No, I I love this. I just like, I could sit and we could talk about, you know, you know, what's going on in the workplace. And we've seen a lot of it in our society. It was always there, but we were able to sweep it under the, you know, the rug. We're like, ah, it didn't exist because social wasn't there. You know, we relied upon news, you know, reporting it as we actually got it. But now, I mean, the news builds itself based off of how quickly someone actually sits there and is like, hey, seeing this happen right here.
1: Well, it's so trans. I mean, you you write something down somebody can take a picture of it and post it on Instagram or Facebook and it can go viral, right? I mean, it's it's a lot harder to hide now. And especially after the civil rights movement last year, everyone is on heightened awareness and alertness and everyone's watching everybody, right? So people are looking at what are people commenting on? What are they saying on LinkedIn? What are their viewpoints, right? And, and I think even the courts are starting to lean in that direction to say, if it comes back to you and somebody comes to you the next day and says, Hey, one of your employees said made racist comments on their so-called private Facebook page, right? And then it comes back to HR. Guess what? They're gonna have to do something about it. Doesn't matter when you wrote it, where you know, what time of the day, because now it's impacting the workplace. So a lot of these sort of rules, these lines we used to draw about, okay, from nine to five, you got to be this way. And then after five, what you do is your own personal. That's all that's all gone, right? Now we're like I'm I'm working from home every single day. You know, so a lot of these traditional ways or the ways that we've done it are all gonna have to be revamped. And really, um, you know, this is the thing. It's that's why I believe even more than ever, training becomes a bigger component.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel when I talk with a lot of people about success, I've redefined what I think is success. For me and my household. Um, I, I used to base it off of metrics, numbers, not all financial, but always numbers behind it. When this happens, then this. And and every time I got there, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't set the bar high enough. So I, I must have just, you know, short chain. I, I got to set it, set, set the bar higher and the time frame shorter. You know, invert those two right there and then hit it again, even shorter and still didn't have there. So I think success is an interesting thing. You know, some people, when we talk about success. We talk about, you know, what it takes to be successful mentorship, partnerships, uh, experimentation, willingness to fail. And on the flip side, willingness to define success. And why I feel so many people don't define success, because as soon as we define success, we've also defined failure. Mm. We don't like that. Like if success to me is picking up my son every day and going to his baseball game at 5 a.m. I'm sorry, 5 p.m. And I'd miss it one time. I'm now a failure. not literally, but like, you know, hey, that was what was success to me. How do you define the success in what you're doing in your life?
1: Yeah, I've thought about this question a lot. Right. And I've I've concluded and it's taken me a long time to get here, you know. Um, But I for me, it's just about showing up at my best every day, right? Trying my best at whatever it is that I commit to. If I say I'm going to do a collaboration, I'm going to be present and give my all. If I can't take it on, I'm also going to be present and voice that I'm taking on too much, right? So really about just showing up as myself and doing the best I can. I'm getting better at also being giving myself more leeway you know, of lowering that standard of, of bringing myself all the time to say, okay, you know, today I have an extra couple of hours, you know, I could really knock out a couple of huge projects, but my body's physically tired right now, or I'm feeling mentally drained. So, you know what, that can wait. It, unless there's like a deadline, right. Or I have to get it there for a client or something like that. But if it's something that normally I'm a high achiever, right. So I'm like, okay, what can I get done right now? But I I'm getting better at saying, no, there's no deadline. Like I'm the boss here. I could that and wait, <laughs> you know, nobody's going to be like hammering me about it tomorrow, but you didn't get these two projects done, you know, but I have to listen to myself more. And it, it's, again, as you, as you start to break some of these old habits and start retraining your mind, you start seeing that we have been living so complicated. Like it's really about simplifying it all down. And and so just, you know, th- this past weekend was a perfect example. My son was with his dad. And I had a list of things that I'm like, I got, here's the things I'd love to do, like on my list, right? The never ending list. (laughs) So, so I got up, you know, Saturday morning and I knocked a couple of things out and, you know, and then I started feeling like, you know, I kind of want to get out and go for a hike. And then there was this battle that took place in my mind about going a hike, you know, it's like a three hour commitment. I could do X, Y, and Z. And I went through this whole thing and ultimately I said, I'm going to go on the hike. Like those three things would be great to get them done, but there's no rush on doing that. I'm going to go enjoy the day. And I did, right? And so, but the guilt during the hike, I felt it. You know, it was it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of intentional effort to not let that thought consume you and ruin your, <laughs> ruin your hike, right? And so I had to, but I, I'm i getting better at just acknowledging it and saying, nope, I'm, I'm going to enjoy right, right now and enjoy that. But, you know, it, it's still, you're still breaking that cycle. And I've been working at this for, Almost like three years. Right. And I'm still kind of getting that pull about that guilt, you know, so I don't know if you go through that or not.
0: So yes and no. And, and the reason why I'm able to navigate those waters a lot quicker is I, I was gifted a gentleman, uh, an individual by the name of Dr. Jeff Spencer mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year. And I'd heard his name for a couple of years and people were like, I got to introduce you. And someone finally gifted him to me and I call him my corner man. And we have to be okay with the choices that we make. If I'm going to sit there, and need half a box of Oreos. Yes. I don't get to feel guilty later. I know what I've chosen. I know how I'm going to feel afterwards. Probably not so good. So I need to be okay with it. Now, different thing on your case, you went for a three-hour three, three hour hike, super healthy, super clarifying, but how much more could you have gotten out of it if you just sat there and said, my human mindset, not my champion's mindset, my human mindset sitting there saying guilt, guilt, guilt. Mm-hmm. My champion's mindset sits and says, yeah, that's always going to be there, but guess what? I'm okay with this decision because it's better for me in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. and that I, I'm able to reason through those a heck of a lot quicker. Because of the people that I surround myself with. Yes, it's true. And that's just such a huge thing. All right. I got a few more questions as we come to, as we getting close to the end here. I feel in times of prosperity, the winds come in easier. Mm-hmm. But I think ingenuity and creativity come when we feel the squeeze. The world's still feeling the squeeze. We talked about it beforehand. Is the squeeze coming back even more? What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you?
1: So as I mentioned to you earlier, before we got on, I recently accepted a new position as chief culture officer for a venture studio called Nobody Studios. And this is like seriously the opportunity of a lifetime for me, um, because it really takes everything I've done in my career, everything that I've been through and brings it to this point where now I actually get to be a part of creating that strategy of civility, of diversity, of inclusion, of belonging, starting from the ground up. And it's so exciting to me because I get to actually walk my talk, right? I'm out there talking about it. Now I get to help create that. So it's going to be hard, you know, I'll be honest, it's overwhelming sometimes at at times. Um, It feels like a lot of burden on, on me to make sure that we do this right. But the, the thing is awesome is we have an amazing leadership team and we really have each other's backs. So I don't, Feel like I'm doing this alone. I feel like I've got my whole team next to me. They're all invested in making sure we do this right. And so, so that's that's what I would say is gonna be really exciting. And so yeah, nobody's studios. We're also doing just some amazing stuff on the innovative side, company creation. You know, we've got a huge goal of a hundred new companies in the next five years. And so we are looking at culture from a different perspective. And so, yeah, so stay tuned.
0: Beautiful. Love hearing about that. I'm glad we were able to get to that. All right. Last one. What is a tip, a tactic, an actionable item that if anyone listening to this today implemented it in their personal or business life, they'd see a real impact over the next 30, 60, 90 days.
1: Yes. Watch my TEDx talk. Seriously, because in my TEDx talk, I, I I outline a strategy. It's called the HAT strategy, yes. and it is a strategy. I use a HAT acronym, and you're going to have to watch it to learn more, but it's a strategy, a simple strategy that if you start implementing it every single day, you will see a difference not only in your own life, but in the people around you, the family, the your work relationships. I mean, it will only help. So that's going to be my actionable strategy and ask for everybody to do is watch it and let it, let it transform you. Cause it will.
0: Yeah. And let's make sure with that uh, editors, I'm talking to you, make sure that you have the TEDx one in the, uh, in there. We'll make sure that we have that form real quick. Would you mind? Because uh, though I've listened to it, what does hat stand for? I don't want to go into the details, but what does it stand for? So we can tease it a little bit.
1: Yeah. So H stands for hold off, right? So A stands for ask why, and T stands for take action. So this is basically Uh, points out in the talk is that you know the way that our brains are wired we make all these automatic judgments about people that statistic you threw in there about other people especially when they're different than us and this is something that's normal it's just how our brain works and so it's about recognizing what these beliefs or biases you might have based on your own upbringing based on your own life so that you can put strategies into place and so hat is a strategy then to once you sort of you know, start doing the work to understand your own unconscious biases to help you then mitigate the harm
0: from them. there you go. And it's it's a 13 minute listen. I'm ball, 12, 13 minutes. It's very digestible, very easy to listen to. And there's a lot of meaning behind it that we need to listen to. I'm telling you right now, you need to listen to this. Things continue to change. And sagel keeps it completely real and what she talks about. And you get to learn a little bit more about her childhood and, and what she went through for why she's building what she's building today. We have got the founder of Train Extra. That's X-T-R-A, Sagil Thacker. Sagel, thank you so much for what you brought to the show today.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much. Had a great time.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing the mastermind effect.